cliffcentral.com. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. It is time for a brand new episode of The Burning Platform, which this morning is with me and Pumi Mashiho. We'll also be joined by two guests, Patrick Suera, who is the co-founder of the Black Africa Fund, and Dan Hadebe, who is the deputy chairperson of Operation Dudula. So we've got lots to talk about this morning. We'll get into uh, what the two organizations that these two, two gentlemen represent are all about. And hopefully get to the bottom of what's really going on when it comes to South Africa. The huge number of foreign nationals who live in South Africa, what we can do to help make the country a better place for them and for ourselves, and what we can do to build South Africa with the skills of all the people that we can find across this continent and across our own country. So hopefully there's a way we'll come out of this with some positives. Right, Pums? I mean, that's the way we want to build it. Hallelujah. Hmm. No, for sure. So I'm going to welcome first uh, Patrick, who's well known to us. Uh, Patrick, it's great to have you back on the show, and thank you for coming into studio this morning. How are you doing? I'm all good. Uh, thank you for having me. Sure, what a pleasure. Patrick, just tell us a little bit about the Black Africa Fund to to kind of just wake people up again in case they've forgotten since your last appearance on the show, and, and tell us also about what you've been doing in terms of, of kind of trying to understand the role that foreign nationals play in the South African economy. All right. So, so uh, the black fact. So hold on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. So the Black Africa Fund exists to figure out how to grow the South African economy, Southern African economy, right? Um, via the collaboration of Africans, as simple as that. And right now, we're working on uh, the distribution of healthcare services. Right, via digital means uh, from South Africa, mm-hmm. right into Zimbabwe and vice versa, right. Um, the key to solving immigration in Southern Africa is by not worrying about it at all, but rather figuring out better ways to collaborate and to build a greater economy, right. And so, what we're doing right now again is we're offering a platform uh, that offers free medical services, right, from Gauteng to the rest of Southern Africa. Yeah, but right now within a hunting only, we're opening up our first center in the next uh, two, three weeks or so. And uh, you can come in and see a dentist, optometrist, a general practitioner for free, right? Uh, those consultations normally would cost somewhere else around and you can get them for free from us. And those, those consultations are done by African doctors, right? Mm. And South African is African. And that's the first thing people need to realize, right? We, we're all in it together. Yeah, but right. but now let's just clear up a couple of things here before we even get to Operation Dudula and, and what's going on there. So first thing, you're not really terribly interested in the reasons that we find ourselves in this situation because it is what it is, right? So we're trying to find, from your point of view, practical ways of dealing with the fact that we've got all these people in South Africa who may or may not be here legally or illegally, but it is what it is. Now we've got to make sure that these people also have some means to look after themselves, some means to make a contribution to the economy, uh, some way of getting medical care in an emergency, that kind of thing, because there's no protection for these people whatsoever. Is that roughly correct? Or are you also an open borders fan who thinks that sovereignty is a made up thing and we don't need to worry about that? Okay, so I'll start with the last question. Uh, I'm not a colonialist. You know, um, I desperately do not believe that Africans should stay separate when the rest of the world 
has created larger borders, right? So you look at the U.S., 300 million people in the border. You look at uh, China, 1.6, 1.3 billion, whatever it is. India, you look at Europe, right? All the borders are gone. And then Africans still live in small little clusters, right? And that's going to range for manageability. It's not for our own benefit at all. Um, I'll give an example, really, on that. So in the past weeks, the minister, is it the MEC? of health in Limpopo, in Limpopo yeah. was complaining about um, Zimbabweans coming through the border and getting healthcare services from South Africa. Mm-hmm. That, that, that is South Africa. It is a good thing. It is not a bad thing at all. Uh, your mic's and just gone dead. And the points I'm going to make. Mike. <coughs> His mic's gone. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's working yeah, now. Yeah, we've got you. So, so, so that's, that's a good thing for South Africa in the sense that South Africa can grow is healthcare sector and pull more South Africans to service the region. That is not a bad thing at all, right? It's it's when New York State has a problem with uh, or has um, capacity in healthcare, has capacity in healthcare that the adjacent state in the U.S. does not have. People can move to that and get healthcare, and that state can grow, employ. Right. Um, you currently have a huge surplus of South African nurses. Yeah, but, but, but that's not entirely, that's not entirely true. I mean, states like, like Florida and, and California are seeing exactly the opposite kinds of, of, of demographic movements. And uh, Florida, for example, does not want New York's problems and New York does not want Florida's problems. So it's fine for you to say that, but that's not entirely true, Patrick. Well, no, I'm saying you, you look at it as an opportunity, right? So no, if, Florida if sees have Florida, Florida sees New Yorkers coming in as a problem, not an opportunity. Well, they should look at it as an opportunity, right? I mean, well, you can't right, tell right. people. I mean, how, but, politicians but, tend to look but, at. But Patrick, you can't tell. You can't always... tell. You can't tell people how to feel about things. Is my point. And if you're going to say, for example, that because we've got these arbitrary borders that were drawn by colonial powers some time right. ago, and that there are South Africans now who get upset when those borders are transgressed. Um, that they must all just they must change their their attitude. I mean, that's not going to help because then they're going to just dig in and get more and more angry, right? So, so first of all, I'm not the one saying that. I mean, so a lot of people are saying that, including the minister of health himself, mm. right? Uh, he came to Limpopo, sorry, was it uh, Pretoria, right, where the protests were being held, and he came up with one of his solutions, which was we build the Zimbabweans. You know, Zimbabweans can refer to South African hospitals as much as the Limpopo province refers to Gauteng, mm. right? That's a practical solution that grows his sector, right? They, they, there's no downside to that for either states, right? And we've got to begin start looking. We've got to start looking at these situations as, as this. And then back to your, to your initial question, and I think it was around uh, what do foreigners bring? I mean, so the Gauteng as a state or as a, as a province has seen phenomenal growth compared to KwaZulu-Natal, the Western Cape, mm-hmm. right, as a result of immigration. Mm-hmm. Immigration is important. Look at New York, right? New York is, New York State yeah. is the 27th largest in terms of geographical area in the U.S., yet number two in terms of economic value created. And that's similar to with Gauteng. Gauteng is the smallest province. Mm-hmm. The mining is gone. So where's the growth coming from? It's coming from people coming in, consuming, building, traveling, right, uh, doing business here. Growth in South Africa, in Gauteng, is a question of Africans coming to Gauteng, 
if you can point to me any other growth engine other than immigration at this point in Gauteng, you know, then, yeah. No, I don't think there's going to be a lot of argument with you on that front. And in fact, uh, you, you and I have had this discussion before. We, we don't have an argument about economic growth and the fact that migrants have, have produced enormous amounts of economic growth in South Africa. But we must, we must get into the, the healthcare stuff a little bit later on in some detail because that seems to be an area of some disagreement. It's also where Operation Dula got involved. And it's where the minister had to, in I think it was in Attridgeville at Kalafong Hospital, had to get involved and and uh, make some make some promises, some decisions, and uh, and and some reservations, let's say, uh, about what he wants to do with this. But Pumi, you could see how immediately it becomes a very contentious issue, because people come in with preconceived ideas, right, Pums? I mean. It's fine to say, well, we, we are a country that wants economic growth. We're a country that welcomes migrants, especially those with skills. Um, but there's some people who don't want that. There's some people in South Africa who are dead against anyone who's not from inside these very artificial borders. No. To be able to participate. That's not what they want, Can I just ask, will you put your mic on mute? Sorry, because it's yeah, got a, an echo here. Mm. So when he was talking, but you, you know, I think one of the things that we have to recognize about what's happening in South Africa is that it is an issue of competition for resource. When an economy is growing, when people have got jobs, when people have got access to, then this is not a problem. Even if you look at a, an Operation Dudula-esque movement, right? And when mm. it it began and how it found popularity and growth, it's at a time when there has been great economic strife. Because we have an economy that is stagnant and people are finding themselves having to compete with resources, for resources, then people, and, and it's human nature, right, mm. is what people look for is they look for people that are weaker than them and then they punch down. That's the problem sure. with what we're having. If, when the economy was growing, nobody was saying, why is the ANC got a, a, a policy and foreign policy of uh, what was Mbeki's quiet diplomacy, yeah. watching Zimbabwe implode, right? Mm. So nobody was saying, hey, that's problematic and it's going to be problematic to us. Nobody was saying, why is the African Union, the organization of the African Union, full of leaders that are not holding each other accountable? When we had when the times were good here in South Africa, nobody was saying, why are we running an ad on SABC and everywhere that says South Africa, you know, is open for business? Why is nobody saying we are, you know, alive with possibility, which is an invitation, an sure. invitation to the world? To say we are alive with possibility if you are looking for possibility if you are looking for opportunity this Come is here. where it is alive mm. nobody was complaining about that but now because there is a stagnant economy because there is not enough to go around people are feeling the pinch and unfortunately instead of holding the people who should be held accountable to book they are fighting and eating each other up that's the problem that we have and I think, I think Patrick is right. If we look at if we look at Africa uh, as a as a market, if we look at the number of people that are available, if we were building businesses that can grow 
into the continent, then you are looking at opportunity. But because we want to be so parochial, we want to... South Africa's got 60 million people. 60 million is nothing. It's a business small economy. But if you look at it as... Which is why China can grow its economy the way that it does. Because they essentially have a whole lot of states that can easily move people and money and goods across all of those borders. That allows for economic growth. Right, right, right. If, if I can jump in there... Sure. Okay. okay. Cool. So, 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 on, 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 on this, on the question of Gauteng and why it needs to stay open, and so this is not an argument for open borders. This is an argument for for an African state that makes sense, right? None of this stuff makes sense right now. So, if you look at Gauteng, right? Gauteng consumes about forty percent of all of South Africa's electricity, you know, electric. electric generate electricity capacity, right? And to put that into context, we look at Zim, Zambia, Malawi, and Mozambique combined do not consume as much electricity as Gauteng. In fact, it's only half of what Gauteng consumes. That's how significant Gauteng as a state, as a province, as a growth center for Southern Africa is. Gauteng is the only place in Africa where you'd find literally every nationality from the world represented, right? Uh, this is where people come to think, to collaborate and to build, right? And by limiting immigration into Gauteng, you've just limited South African, the South African opportunity, right? And I'll bring that down to the townships, right? And then maybe talk about what we're proposing in terms of how we can cure this, this, this xenophobia situation, right? When you look at a township, and we've discussed this before, right? A lot of investment has been made by South Africans into the homes they live, right? And they build back rooms in the back, mm-hmm. right? And rent those out yes. uh, to the point where each household attracts from five to 15,000 rand a month, mm-hmm. right? That's an income no one can ever take away from them. And that's provided for by the fact that black Africans come and buy from black South Africans, Black Africans are the only consumers of the product that black Africans are putting out. We ride your taxis. We, we live in your homes, right? We buy the product that the Europeans, the Americans, and the white South Africans never bought from you. We are your customer, right? And so that's built a large industry, a significantly sized industry in the townships, Right, where if Gogo retires, she can build a couple of you know rooms in the back and know someone's going to take them up. Yeah, right, right. So, so, so without that, so let's go door to door like like Mackenzie suggests and kick out people from the townships, right, to benefit his political campaign whilst destroying the incomes of these people. Right? That's why Dudula hasn't taken off in Alex, right? Uh, that's why Dudula hasn't taken off in Deep Sloot. Or, or Cosmo, because the people realize that this is against their investments, which is the largest sector right now in South Africa, right? Uh, maybe, maybe smaller than the tax industry, but definitely larger than anything else, which is the backyarding. Mm. And it's owned by individual South Africans. Now, what we propose is we would like to invest in that. Black Africans will pay into a fund that basically invests into the township home and not via the government. We will lend and take the risk, right, that black South Africans have in terms of building up and setting up homes that we occupy, right? 
we black South Africans are wealthy if they choose to be, or they can follow the the the, the nonsense that Mackenzie and these guys are going on about, and, and let's see what, what happens there. But we are your customers. We're your people. Who else is going to buy from you? Uh, let's see if we can get. You know, uh, uh, sorry, Pums. Uh, again, your your mic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've just asked. Sure. He's right across from me. I can just ask him to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you know, unfortunately, even though um, I do agree that we need to be able to move freely um, our goods and our money across the borders that we do have, one of the things that I, I always kind of have a problem with is the, the problem that we have as Africans is we do not hold our leadership accountable. So you have a fantastic idea and it's a great idea, but I think it is wrong that you have had to leave your home, Zimbabwe, to be in South Africa, to create this idea and know that there's potential for this idea simply because the government of Zimbabwe is failing you and failing the people of Zimbabwe. It's a terrible situation to be in where you have to be all over the world. Nigerians are the same. Hmm. all over the world simply because the government of the day where you are has not met up its end of the bargain. But not holding them accountable does not change. Walking away from this, so where vibrant, young, bright minds such as yourself opt to leave the country rather than fix the country, that too is just as problematic. It's as problematic as the ANC government's foreign policy of saying nothing when African leaders become despots. I think, unfortunately, even though the ideas are great, I think that too is problematic. And they can be two problems at the same time, both of which need solutions. And I think that one of the, the... Africa's biggest failings mm. is that we're, that's what we do as young Africans is we walk away from the rather than try and fix the problem. Well, so to, 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 to respond to that, the, the reason why, why immigration has always been a thing for human beings is, is a question of political and environmental stability or you know, change, right? I mean, you look at Tesla moving its headquarters from, from California to Texas, right? The politics of a place change over time and not necessarily to to the comfort of the people or to to the interest or let's give it a comfort of the people who 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 live there at the point in time right uh half of zimbabwe came from south africa they came from kzn and they realized they're zulus right because of the politics of the time immigration is meant for this purpose, humans must flow in and out of situations for this purpose. And that's why you've seen that movement from, from, from California to Texas and even from Texas to Mexico by Americans, right? Humans must move freely. The, 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 the generation of jobs, ETC, is a question of consumer behavior, not governments. You know, and I think we give too much credibility or right. too, too much. I, too I much. do want to. I just want to stop you there, Patrick, because we've uh, we finally got uh, Mr. Dan Hadebe on, who I'd like to bring on. Hey, Dan, how are you? Uh, good morning, everyone, and uh, my sincere apologies for the No, day. no problem, Dan. We're pleased to have you on the show. Uh, Dan is the deputy chairperson of Operation Dudula. He grew up during the apartheid regime. Was forced to partake in underground activities. Operation Dudula, of course, was born during December 2020, not so long ago, officially launched in January 21, 
and their main objective is to ensure that South Africa becomes the main role players in the economic space of this country. I don't know if you've heard much of what Patrick had to say there, Dan, but do you want to maybe explain your position a little bit and, and help us to understand what Operation Nadula is doing and where you guys are at at the moment? Uh, now, if it's simple, although I got to the tail of uh, his, 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 his statement, uh, Operation Tudula is just fighting for their history our laws. That people, if they come into the country, let them abide by our laws, let them come legally. So, let the Labor Department do things according to the law. If it's a skill, skill people must properly apply for that proving that we don't have the skill in the country. We cannot have a situation where jobs are flooded by non-South Africans and South Africans are subjected to 350. Okay, um, so where do we begin with this? Um, do, do you want to bring a counter-argument to that, to that point or do you have no real... Can I ask a question before yeah? we, we have counter-arguments? Go for it, Pums. Well, if I, if I understand you correctly, you're saying you are about the restoration of laws, right? Exactly. And yet, every activity we see Operation Dudula uh, put out in the social space is not directed at the people who make the laws or enforce the laws, but rather you are attacking individuals who don't have any any power in terms of restoring laws or making the laws. Why is that? Uh, I'm sure there must be a misunderstanding there. In as you know, last time we said it's unfortunate that we are led by another administration that believes in action before they start listening or engaging with you. But our fight has been always directed to the departments. Our first memorandum on the 17th of May 2021, we took it straight to the mayor of the city of Tobek, which outlined some of our demands, such as they must reclaim all the hijacked buildings and ensure that they convert them into family units. And issue them out as RTP units instead of what's happening right now in Johannesburg and the other towns as well because we realize that it's, it's throughout the country. So we said they must clean up Joburg. You find people selling sweets. Under those sweets, they'll be selling drugs. So we went to the Department of Labor. We went to the union building. We've been having, having engagement uh, with, with certain ministers. We were supposed to be having a meeting this week with the Minister of Health. So I don't understand when people are saying that we are attacking individuals. Last time we were in Hillbrook with the police going around pinpointing that this place is a drug here is the problem and where you are likely to find underage children. Whilst we are marching with the police pinpointing not even a single but person we, we also see you. We also see Operation to do people. T-shirts, 
walking to door, getting into people's houses, demanding of them to give their IDs. We saw you in Galafong. We saw Operation Tutula people at Galafong Hospital telling people in the waiting room, we don't want non-South Africans here. Not talking to the hospital administration, not talking to the immigration officials, talking to sick people, standing in queues, waiting to be helped, telling them, we don't want you here. We don't want you to be uh, getting help before South Africans getting help. We saw you getting into people's backyards, pulling out people from their shacks and asking them to show you their IDs. We saw you, <laughs> Operation Tudula people, going to spaza shops and telling people who own spaza shops, we don't want you owning spaza shops here. This is not a misunderstanding. This is as seeing people who are operating. We saw you in Dipsluit doing a huge match, which eventually ended up with a man in birth to death. We saw Operation Tutula operating in those places. We're not hearing it as a hearsay. We are seeing it videos on your sites, on your Facebook, on your Twitter, people in Operation Tutula t-shirts, people who say they are Operation Tutula people. That is what we see you do. Unfortunately, I'll have to differ with you on that one. You don't have to respond to it because it is what we see. Maybe you can tell us, and everybody on the comments is very interested to know, Buti, what happened with Tantalax? Because actually, we didn't know anything about Operation Tutula until Tantalax. And now suddenly, Tantalax is no longer Operation Tutula. We'd love to know what happened there. But I won't want to, to leave some of the points you raised hanging. Certainly, go ahead. For example, the deep slot is, uh, there's no, we have never been in deep slot. That day of the incident, Operation Tutula has never been there. Santalax was there on his personal capacity. Let me just clear that one, not as Operation Tutula. Then the second critical issue is that at Calafong Hospital, we were taking the message to the CEO of the hospital that make sure South Africans are treated first and they make sure that these people, if they don't have documentation to be here, after treating them, you have got an obligation to hand them over to the authorities. That is the message that we're sending across there. And then, number, I see you are very much interested on the Atlanta-like issue. Yeah. It's unfortunate that you, you, you didn't know about Operation Tutula. You only saw Atlanta-like when around the 16th of June. And Operation Tutula has been in existence for a while before then. Uh, whereas he's got his uh, uh, organization that is part of, which is called Soweto Parliament, which focuses mainly on issues of service delivery. And uh, that is why on our media briefing, we said it's very difficult to separate the two, because myself as then, service delivery issues to affect me. And the members of Soweto Parliament are affected by the issues that we are trying to address as Operation Tutula. So we said, no, because now you are in demand. This thing is growing. Uh, people are demanding there are challenges of electricity left, right, and center. Rather, you focus on Soweto Parliament, address these issues. Uh, that was just before the time they were supposed to bring um, Popalato, was supposed to bring back uh, and report back to the Sowetans, and he was very hectic at that time. So we agreed that, you know what, just focus on this, we are still energetic, 
Okay, so uh, at this point, I'm going to bring Patrick in. So, Patrick, from what you've heard now from Dan, I mean, do you do you believe that there can there can be any kind of uh, of, of bridge built between the opinions of of Operation Dudula and the kinds of things that you were talking about? All right. So, so hi, Dan. Uh, well, thank the, the, you, Baba. Great. So, so the thing you need to understand about Operation Dudula is it's it's not a real thing, right? Um, they, they, they're not aiming for anything clear. So that's why they're talking about everything. Let's fix this. Let's fix that. Let's fix this hospital crime, etc., etc., etc. And they're not going to do anything. What they're going to do is harass what they perceive is the weakest entity within the ecosystem to make their point heard. Um, we, we've seen a lot of this, you know, globally. Hmm. You know, um, the most successful of bunch of people who did what they're doing who called the Nazis, right? They, they went around persecuting persons and said, listen, you're not an area, you're not, you don't look like this, etc., etc." And they caused a big trouble for Europeans for many, many years, right? But they're all gone now. But ultimately, you, the human race goes back to being human, not to being South African or Zimbabwean or Malawian or Ghanaian. We're humans. And post- the colonial era, right, that Dan is in right now and Dudula, right, we're going to be humans again. We're going to be Africans again. When it comes to employment, so let me just get talk, talk about what he, he, he brought up, right? Um, there's no relationship between um, kicking out, you know, immigrants and, and, and creating jobs for the locals. That's nonsense. That's never been done anyway. In fact, actually it was done before by the, by, um, I think the state of California, right, where they, they haunted, uh, the government haunted the tomato um, farmers, right, and had them kick out the Mexicans who picked tomatoes, right. Ultimately, the farmers got missed to do it. It's something here saying, well, fine, uh, the Gareth Cliff is, is a foreign national. We're going to kick him out and we're going to place him, replace him with JJ Tabani, and the show is going to remain the same. Of course, it's not. It's a totally different product. You can't replace people that way. They're not interchangeable. They're not cogs in a machine. These are human beings. If, if, if people who operate within, within, uh, the doula or anything like that want to create employment, they've got to put in the work, the real work. Or you've got to go out and say, okay, fine. How to get more nurses employed? Well, the Zimbabweans need doctors and nurses. So let's build a big hospital down in Limpopo and invite the Zimbabweans to use that. We have the capacity. We have the constitution, right? We've got the law and the order. That's why they seek. We, Zimbabweans come to South Africa to buy law and order. You understand? That, that's, that's what we're interested in, the law and the order. But do they? I that. mean, if, they, if, they, if their first act in the new country is to break the law by not being a, a registered, documented migrant, are they really interested in law and order? I mean, this is where someone like Operation well, Dudula has, they, they make a point because by, by your very presence then as an illegal immigrant, you're already breaking the law. You can't then claim that you want law and order. Well, how, how many illegal immigrants exist in, in South Africa, right? So first of all, Zimbabweans don't need a visa to come into South Africa. They get a 90-day permit. It's automatic for most Africans, right? Mm. Um, if you're a Zimbabwean, you want to come to South Africa, nothing stops you. You've got a, per you've got a passport, you walk in. 
what are these guys talking about? If what we're talking about is employment permits, we're talking about something very different. Okay, right? yeah, but but I mean, also right. we've got to look. We've got to be very realistic about how incompetent our government is. Our government cannot regulate or document or license or register all the people who we're screaming at them to register. So we're we're really barking against thunder here because the government are not competent to do this. So why should we take but that out on, on illegal immigrants even? This, this is, is the point that, that I asked the question. That is, so Operation Dula says they are about the restoration of laws. There we go. I'll just, I'll be interested. Yeah, will you do it? Thanks, Gareth. Yeah. And and yet, you don't see them. And, and you know, I mean, it's for me very disingenuous of Dan to say, oh, we were there doing this way. All the videos we saw all over social media, all over the news, were Operation Tutula people confronting individuals, asking them for all sorts of uh, documentation. On whose authority, I may ask? And all that it feels like to me, and I'd be very interested to know how Operation Tutula is funded, because it seems to me that all Operation Tutula is actually designed to do is distract us from the fact that our government is inept and is not doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. I will not be surprised if down the line we wake up one day and find that Operation Tutula is another Bell Pottinger-esque experiment that was designed and paid for by individuals spending billions, as we know, to distract us from how completely and unable Let's have Dan respond to that. Dan, how do you feel about what Pumi said, that you guys are like a, a distraction, a bell pottinger that's been thrown in to disguise the incompetence of our government? What do you, what do you feel about that? Uh, I, I feel very bad, but I wanted to start by saying it sounds as if in all the operations she's selective of the things that she wants to, to, to pick up with Operation Tutula. Operation Tutula was as a result of the frustration of South Africans being frustrated by the government. It didn't just, you know, mushroom from nowhere. There were engagements with government that you cannot have our people trapped in the 350. Please, let's restore our laws. You cannot have a Bangladeshi running a shop, sleeping on top of the mill, urinating in that shop, and still sell these people to our, this food to our people. Where are the inspectors? Because when we grew up, we used, we used to have uh, health inspectors who were inspecting shops, this and that. Government was made aware of this. And uh, there are videos, yes, probably they could have been seen as harassment, where our members raided those shops, showed the urines and whatever, packets of urines and waste, sleeping with them in the same shop where they are selling food for. And we ask the same government, where are the inspectors if people have to buy this kind of food here? So many videos that were circulated of expired goods, food, being sold from those shops. So it was as a result of the frustration. And Operation Tutela is not funded by anyone. It's not aligned to any political party. That is why it, I think it's just it is the result of the frustration of our people. When we've got a trip going somewhere with our members, we calculate how much does the bus cost divided by the number of seats, and then people will contribute towards that. 
because they want to see change. They want to see this thing happening. So it's not aligned to anyone. It's not a project that is created somewhere. No, it's a community-based. But let me raise this point. It's always worrying us that when we speak of uh, foreign nationals, Zimbabweans are always the first to jump and say they are talking to us. They are talking about us. We've been we've been always questioning this. How do you travel all the way from Bangladesh or Pakistan, jump all these countries, and come and seek a refugee status in South Africa? Why didn't you go to your neighboring country as the law requires? Now, Zimbabwe, they are getting the attention that they deserve. Because whenever you start saying non-South Africans, they are too quick to jump and say they are talking, they are talking about us. There are so many millions of non-South Africans here who have occupied the economic space. And we are not about to compromise about that. All right. <clears throat> so, Pumi, uh, where, do we, where do we even pick this up? I mean, it seems like we're talking across purposes in some ways. Um, do we spend too much of our Patrick wants to answer something. Patrick, go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Gary. So, so here's my thing. When, when, when someone's humanity is put to question, or the quality of the person, etc., is put into question, Right, like Dan just did with the Bangladeshi. You know, the Bangladeshi sleep and urinate on the millimeal they're going to sell to you tomorrow. Right, that's dehumanizing an individual. I mean, you're creating a caricature. You're creating a persona that a characterization of these people that is unwholesome and is meant to, to create a framework for criminality. Therefore, Dudula can walk into these places because of the poor hygiene. These people continue to do this. They urinate on the bread, and that's rubbish. I mean, this is the kind of talk that, that ends us all in trouble, right? It, it's, it seems people forget that if when violence breaks out in the townships, it doesn't discriminate, right? Whether you're South African, whether you're Zimbabwean, whether you're Bangladeshi, it's going to be presented on your doorstep. And it starts off with with this, with the conviction someone has about someone else's humanity, right? Led by ideas as the one you just presented, Dan, that says that Bangladeshis urinate on the millimil they sell to you tomorrow. That is a horrible, horrible thing to say about another individual. And it seems to come up frequently, things like this on, on South African media, you know? And every time this happens, someone needs to call you guys out and say, how dare you say that? These people have allowed South Africans a lower cost access, right, to commodity foodstuffs that they use in their homes every day. And then you come out and you call, and you say, okay, fine, these guys urinate on the food they sell you. What have you done for those people that these guys have, you know, haven't done? You know, they're there every day. They live in the townships. They develop, they invested in the townships. Right. If it was a German guy coming in, you wouldn't have said that. You're saying it because there's darker skin, because he looks poorer, and and he's a his appearance and plays into 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 the caricature you want to create. So so this that's the first thing. You know, I I just every time I hear guys like Mackenzie and you say things like this, I, I feel disgusted that you look at another person and say this kind of thing, and then sit there as though it made sense. 
It's, it's this is what the Afrikaners used to say about black people, by the way. This is what the Nazis used to say about the Jews. This is how it all starts, Dan. Dan, what do you what do you say to that? I mean, let me give you a chance to reply properly. Now the thing is, uh, my colleague, I think, is living in his own universe because these are issues that are being exposed by committee members who live around those people. Uh, these people have been around for a while. There's no way it will be just be created by someone. We can even show, share some of the videos with you. But a historian, a good historian like you as you are, and uh, I, I'm wondering, why are you? is it so difficult for you to take up this fight with the government in Zimbabwe? Uh, because if you are so good in debating issues like this, that issues that are factual, and try to dispute them and always refer back to history, can't we then resolve the problems in Zimbabwe so that we can avoid this mass exodus of people living in Zimbabwe? I'll respond to that. Mm-hmm. Please do. You know, it's, this, is what, this is what happened in Zimbabwe, right? Where, where things were going wrong in Zimbabwe, everyone's like, well, you know, we'll let the Zimbabweans do it. You know, now things are going wrong in South Africa, or let's let the South Africans deal with it. You know, so they can burn their city. Uh, they can burn everything, and you know it's okay. Let's 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 let them deal with it. Right? This is the this is the African way. This is why we're packetized by colonialism. I'm not going to play into that with you, right? Well, this is what happened to Zimbabwe, and it's going to take a generation to fix Zimbabwe, right? Uh, we are immigrants here, and we saw what happened in Zimbabwe happen, and we know now to speak up. When, yeah, but, when men but, like but, you show up but and Patrick, try and pull but Patrick, people apart. What, what Dan is saying is that's all good and well, and you can cry me a river, but why is this his problem, and why is it the problem of South Africans? Which problem? The problem of Zimbabweans having to come and find somewhere else to, to survive and to exist and to be able to make a living and to be able to feed their children. Right. Why is that South Africa's well, problem when what you're saying about Zimbabwe may be true, but you know, right. how, how, how can you then park that on our doorstep like we made the problem. That's what Dan's well, saying. Well, it depends how you look at it, right? We're buying from you, right? We're, we're the largest investors. Black Africans are the largest investors in South Africa by far, by far, particularly when it comes to assets owned by black South Africans. We, we are your customers. We ride more taxis and live in more houses than any other grouping globally, black mm-hmm. Africans. It's not a problem. We're investing in what you believe in. We believe in you. So we Dan, want this to work. So, Dan, what do you resp- how do you respond to, to the point that Patrick's making, that if it wasn't for black Africans spending their money and making use of the township economy, there wouldn't be a township economy? I don't fully agree with him, but we've been always saying that we do appreciate uh, African trade more than European trade in this case. We would want to see African countries growing economically together. Maybe that will assist to avoid to see this kind of challenges that we are experiencing right now in Africa, which also affects us, by the way. And we don't have problem living with non-South Africans side by side. But you cannot have a situation whereby people cross through the river just next to the border post, walk straight into the country, which are unaccounted for. If people are here legally so with their valid passports, do everything above the law legally so, we don't have a problem living side by side with everyone 
in this country. We grew up living with non-South Africans at our childhood, and we never had a problem with that. Up until there is this mass influx that now even the government seems to have lost control of it. And if no South Africans, they don't stand up to challenge it, and then it's becoming a problem. Gareth, can, can, I, can I... Yes, sure. Yes, can I come in there for a second? Okay, so, so Dan, my issue is, is with your, your approach and to finding a solution, what your solution is, right? Um, you can't remove that many people from a country in a way that, that doesn't violate um, the laws of your own country, the humanity of those individuals, or cause significant social strife. Right, given given the fact that Zimbabwe, Malawians, Zambians, Mozambicans are tightly integrated into the South African economy, and communities, homes, etc. Right. Um, so, our issue is is your approach is wrong. It's not about removing people; it's about documenting people. I mean, can we look to to documenting people as opposed to a forced removal? Of, of 10 million people from, from a country of 60 million people. You want to remove one-fifth of the country's population, right? <laughs> and, and that's where possible. the problem lies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what do you say, Dan? I mean, practically, because we do, we have a government that can't do their job, so we can sit and complain about it, but we're never going to get them to do their job. I mean, just this morning there was a news headline about how Home Affairs cannot print IDs and passports. They, they, their offices shut down. So what are we going to do here? I mean, we can't just deport. We can't just deport millions of people, can we? You can start somewhere. Uh, you can start somewhere, definitely. But if right now we are sitting at uh, more than ten million uh, unaccounted for people, and then we sit and relax and do nothing, which means we are saying, no, even if it escalates to thirty million, it's fine. We must just uh, wait up until the government smells the coffee and do something. We need to start shaking the government and, you know, and make sure this comes to a stop. Yes, we understand that there are millions who are here already. How do you document them? How do you prevent a further influx? As you can see, they are coming in daily. It's not only Zimbabwe. It's quite correct when it's uh, counting inside the countries. Hmm. That is why we had an issue with the ZEPs. That why specifically Zimbabwe giving ZEPs. What about Malawi? Mm. What about Swaziland? Because those countries, we know the kind of poverty that they are, they are living in. But why be selective on this one? Why simple? Because certain individuals have got business interests there and then South Africans must suffer consequences for few individuals who've got business interests in those countries. Well, so, for the fact that we cannot de- de- deport them does not mean that we should allow the situation to escalate even further. Pumi? So I do love the fact that we are hearing Dan um, try and distance the Operation Tutula from all the videos we see of people in Operation Tutula videos doing all sorts of, of terrible things. I love that because it, it says to me that as, a, as an organization and as leadership of the organization, you can see what's wrong with all of that and you are working towards cleaning it up and I really hope you do I love the fact that you're saying that what you want is you want to be able to hold our government accountable Mm -hmm. and so what I would love to hear you tell us about is what is your end game 
Are you just going to be an organization of people that are marching and that are putting marines of demand? Or are you going to be an organization of people that decides to participate beyond just that? Are you going to be part of the solution that says, what needs to change in our government and what can I do to change that? Instead of just sending a memorandum to Mpopalaz, how do you become the mayor so you make the rules? So you make sure that the safety and security of the people in this country are working. What is the plan? What's the end game for Operation Tutula? I love the question that you're asking that, uh, yes, we'll keep on putting pressure on the government, but the question will be then, how do you, the same people who failed to, to deal with the issue for the past 25 years or so, if I'm not mistaken, and then what makes you believe that they'll solve it now? Will they have what it takes to, to deal with it now if they failed all these years? So our members on the ground, they are talking about issues, that issue that we can remain civic movement, but maybe align with political parties that uh, who are willing to listen to South Africans and take the issues head on, or we are going to go to polls ourselves and deal with the problem. So there are various options on that one, but at the moment, at this stand, it's a civic movement. Dan, are there, are there political parties who've made overtures to you? Are there political parties that you would consider working with? Uh, at this moment, we haven't spoken to anyone. Uh, we are in the uh, process of a growing uh, operation to Dula, stabilizing it, because the reality of the matter is one that it grew up, it's growing too fast, that uh, you, it becomes a struggle to, 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 to run after it and uh, stabilize it. That is the reality that we cannot uh, shy away from. Okay. And I'm not sure if I answered are, your question directly. And are there, are there parties that you will not deal with? I mean, you, you've had some pretty public spats with the EFF, among others. Yeah, well, no, definitely such parties we won't because it doesn't make sense for us being part of the legislature where the law is made and then you encourage people to break the law and come into the country illegally through the river. So mm. there's no way if we are fighting for restoration of the law and associate ourselves with such people, such characters. All right. Patrick, I'm going to let you have a, a word in here because there's, Dan said quite a lot there about you know the government and about mm. political parties. Uh, what is, what, is, the, what yeah. is the perfect outcome for you guys? Well, um, our organization is aiming to create a fund that basically would invest in South African infrastructure paid for by black Africans, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so given the, the, the legal infrastructure, so the soft infrastructure, constitutional infrastructure that South, African ha- South Africa has, we feel it's, it provides an adequate platform for black Africans Right, so that's Africans within the SADC area. Um, they can create, um, we intend to create, uh, first of all, medical facilities that can be used by the rest of Southern Africa, in South Africa. Right, We think it would work here. That's the starting point. Uh, then you look at education, uh, and then you can look at uh, forms of um, other investments, you know, um, 
property etc mm-hmm. but but predominantly education can be delivered uh, from south africa to the, the region as the region then forms that i mean so th- there's a significant shortage of doctors across the region right uh give an example there are 3000 optometrists in south africa and there are only 100 in zimbabwe 100 in malawi maybe 300 in in zambia this is how bad things are and so we intend to leverage south african human resources across the region right the, the investment by africans is consistent and is endless and so we're looking for partners um, patrick do you to work with on this program do you think and i'm going to be the devil's advocate here do you have a concern Great. that there is a limited amount of resource available because this is probably something that and i'm not going to put words in your mouth dan but there's probably some concern among South Africans that the cake is only so big. You know, if you consider the way that, that specifically government treat the economy, the cake is only so big, we can't grow it, so we must each get a smaller and smaller slice of what there is. And maybe there just, so, maybe there just isn't enough for everybody is, is often the way that people who think, particularly in closed systems, and, you know, a lot of governments in Africa have thought as closed systems rather than as open ones, how do we expand that cake? Is that something that you have to fight against all the time? Is that, you know, when people talk about there are only so many optometrists, well, you know, you might argue, well, then they're not enough for Zimbabwe and Malawi. Sorry, we need them here in South Africa. That's where they're trained. Well, the, the, the problem is, 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 first of all, the governmental view, right? I mean, so, so take the Limpopo situation where the, the governor, so the MEC, MEC for, comes out and says, well, you know, we've got to limit the number of people coming to hospitals, mm-hmm. right? Uh, opposed to expanding the infrastructure, we're going to limit the number of people coming here. So so we've, we've got to define which resource is limited. The limited resource is not financial. Africans can pay for healthcare. Mm-hmm. What, what's limited is the organization of these resources to, to enable the development and the servicing of the general African population. So that's it. South Africa, the South African constitution has provided a platform that has created a little more stability in developing these assets than uh, Zimbabwe, Malawi, Zambia, Mozambique, ETC have been able to. Right? And so, so we've got to come back and say, wait, what's working? South Africa's working. Well, let's put more money into South Africa. Black Africans are putting money into South Africa to develop uh, infrastructure that they can use. So healthcare, right, is is ready for that, right? Uh, it makes a lot of sense to build up uh, a multinational uh, hospital uh, for tertiary surgeries and that kind of thing um, in Limpopo, multiple, not even yes, one. Yes, but, right? but, you, but, and, you and are, so, but you are asking South African taxpayers to fund that that project no no so so we've already started raising funds in developing a health infrastructure that is funded by the black africans and used by everyone in southern africa so never so so the african taxpayer south african taxpayer is only one entity can you say just just uh, just just on a a point of order here like you you talk about black africans are you are you not including white africans here or is that a whole other subject so black africa refers to territories south south of the sahara it's always been called Black Africa. Mm, right? not, so, as far as I know, it's called Sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, black is kind of a different discussion, but okay. Right, right. <laughs> I'm just right, thinking. Am I included uh, or am I not as a taxpayer of Southern if, Africa? If you know? 
<laughs> you, you, if, if you, if you're from South Africa, you're Black African as well. But the point is this: health, health, health. Yeah, you start. Well, well, now, you, now you're causing trouble for yourself. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. So, is wait. it available to all individuals who want to be part of it that are Africans that are African holding? So, so and hold African passports. Is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm not talking about African passports. I mean, I, I'm not talking about the just African passports and you know breaking up nationalities. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about using hospitals together. There are limited resources in the region, and South Africa has has a stable enough environment, right, uh, constitutionally, to 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 where that in, investment can be enhanced. Now, the the distance from Harare to Johannesburg. Is shorter than the, the distance from from Cape Town to to Johannesburg, mm-hmm. right? Zimbabweans can, you know, effectively, efficiently access healthcare from Johannesburg, and that creates jobs for South Africans. All right, I'm the, gonna, the I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop you there because I, I want us to have one final word for each of you. I'm gonna let. Uh, Dan, go first. Dan, just because we've jumped around quite a lot here this morning, and, and I realize that we only got you on a little bit later, um, what, what are your final thoughts on this? And tell us again why people should give Operation Dudula a second thought and why people might want to support or why they might be afraid of Operation Dudula and what they're up to. You know, clarify the water for us here. Let's, let's make sure that we don't misunderstand each other. Yeah. We only need now- Operation Tudula, uh, it's not not a vigilante group. It's all about uh, the law being adhered to, people being in the country legally, you know, abiding by our laws. That's as simple as that. We've been putting pressure on government, but unfortunately we seem to be hitting a rock. We cannot have a situation where South Africans depend on on, on 350s, whereas your hospitality industry is 90% foreign employer, you know, employees there, dominating. And then our children are stuck in the townships, they end up uh, being hooked and wrong, uh, whilst their parents fought very hard to free this country. But uh, what the gentleman is saying about this infrastructure uh, uh, investment, it it sounds very uh, nice when it's said, but the question will be one. Are they, uh, are they then saying that it is okay, leave Zimbabwe the way it is, it mustn't develop, it mustn't grow, leave Malawi the way it is, it mustn't develop, it mustn't grow, South Africa will be the savior of the entire SADC nation at the expense of South Africans. Because I believe that any sort of uh, investment that has to be made, it can be made in, in, in any of the countries of the SADC, where we, we maybe at some point left to back on a campaign in making sure that they start, uh, you know, attracting investment in their own country. Because we do realize the issue that there is a challenge in those countries. As much as they've got the audacity to come here and take our minister to court, but they've never heard even a single day where they went to the court in Harare and taken Nankwanda to court. Hmm. All right, Patrick, you get the last word this morning. What do you want to finish up with, and, and based especially on the comments that Dan just left us with? Like, why not go and build these things in Malawi, Zimbabwe? Well, I mean, so, so well, why not build them in, in the north, northern Cape, right? Um, the population is in Gauteng. Gauteng is Africa's New York, 
if Southern Africa is New York, we will all congregate here. Whether Dan and anyone else feels that, you know, the growth uh, of Gauteng needs to be limited and, you know, offered only to South Africans, it's nonsense, right? We, we were cut off by colonialism, right? And men like Dan, you know, want to carry on that culture and that heritage that, that was left with Africans. We've got to collaborate and accumulate somewhere. There are places in Gauteng. First of all, we'll build the best hospitals here, right? And we'll, we'll look after each other the best we can here and then fuse that to the rest of, of the country, and the country, Southern Africa. And by the way, when I speak about Black Africa, I, I just refer to, to, to an area that's traditionally been called Black Africa in the text. It's nothing to do with being, you know, black or white. I'm, I'm not, I don't care about race at all. Um, what I care mostly about is, is not looking for economic solutions from politics. Dan is a politician. Dudula is going to be in the next election allied to the PA. It's pretty clear, right? And these guys going out and saying whatever they're saying, you know, motivating people to do whatever, they're just politicians. There is no economic solution for politics. We've got to build the hospitals. We've got to build the roads. We've got to build the schools. We've got to correct the education system. And, you know, stop listening to guys like that. All right, well, I'm glad that uh, we had you both on today. I, I think it's important that we do all listen to each other. I hope you get your hospital built. I mean, Patrick, you know, I think it would be a great thing for, for South Africa, and I think it would be a very much safer arrangement for foreign nationals to be able to seek medical advice in a place where they've also made an investment and where they have some skin in the game. I would like very much for us to continue this discussion at another point, and maybe we can have more organization around it next time. I'd, I'd be thrilled to hear what other ideas you and Dan have. But in the meantime, gentlemen, thank you very much. Dan, it's great to have you on the show. And Patrick, it's great to have you on the show. We will hopefully have you soon uh, to, to fight each other another, uh, another day. We're looking forward to that. <laughs> thank you very much. All right, thank you, thank Patrick. You. Thank you, Dan. Well, Pums, uh, not a boring hour, not by any stretch of the imagination. I just started off there, with you feeling bad. Oh, oh, God, there goes the power again. All right, let's get out of here. Before this load shedding drives me into the arms of Operation Dudula, because I swear to God, that's where I'm headed. I will see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. Cheers, everybody. Bye-bye.